Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fabulous Women Over 40. I'm really excited for my guest today. She's a serial entrepreneur. We've known each other for quite a while, and I'm so excited to introduce Amber Aziza. Hey, Amber. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, so tell us how you became your your amazing self. Like, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Um, did you have siblings? Like, what, what, what was it like mm -hmm. in Amber's childhood? Yeah, so Amber's childhood had a, a dark start. Oh. Um, I... I uh, was in foster care until I was six, five, six years old. Mm -hmm. um, and I was adopted by a lovely family. I had two older brothers instantly um, and an older sister, but they were so significantly older than me that by the time I was adopted by my family, they both were headed to college. Mm. Um, so I was like in kindergarten. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had like a kindergartner and a senior in high school. Um, and so that was interesting in that it kind of almost felt like I was an only child. I, mm. I really grew up feeling like an only child. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, my brothers and my sister would come home for summer and breaks, but it wasn't really the same as like having them in the house. Right. Um, my parents are older. And so I, I think I matured a lot faster as a result mm -hmm. because I was always way more interested in what the adults were doing <laughs> than kids my age. Right. Um, and I think that fostered in me kind of the sense of like, I could do that. Like I've, I've seen adults do that. I can do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it kind of took away a lot of fear that most people have about doing a lot of things. Right. Because I just kind of always was in a circle that was, you know, much more mature than myself. Um, I went to university and I was one of those people that, you know, you have all those people who say like, oh, I regret having my degree. I'm one of those people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of money for a degree that, I mean, I don't, I don't really use as much. Right. Um, sim simply because I was one of those people, when I got in university, when I got in college, see the British kicking in the university as opposed to college. When I got to college, <laughs> I was on my hustle. Like I was working four jobs. Mm. I had like six different internships. Like I was one of those people that was like, I just want to start working. And I right. just want to get my hands dirty and get in the game. And the faster I can do it, the better. And by the time I graduated, I was already um, a training manager. Like I'm already built, you know, started building an award-winning training department. Mm -hmm. And so for me in my corporate side of my life, it was really kind of a case of me constantly being a go-getter, constantly being put in opportunities and roles where they could just let me go right? right one of my former employers used to say like amber it's like it, it's like one of those ovens you can just set it and forget it like you can just tell her what she <laughs> needs to do and she's just gonna get it done like right and there's not going to be a lot of back and forth or questions or just like tell me what do you need me to do how much how much are you giving me to do it and how soon do you need it done right <laughs> so with with that i've always loved my jobs because i always had an excellent you know 
ability to grow and flourish until I got to my final corporate job where I realized, ooh, this is what people talk about when they talk about hating their jobs. This <laughs> this is it right here. This is it. <laughs> and I just hit a point where I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I cannot do this anymore. Um, and so I quit. I don't recommend quitting on the spot uh, like I did. I recommend like putting in your notice, waiting for your bonus to come through. Um, I didn't do any of that. I just quit. (laughs) Screw them out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and so I moved back (laughs) home with my parents, and I couldn't even tell. I couldn't even tell my father that I had quit because what you're not gonna do is tell a grown black man that his grown <laughs> black college educated daughter that he didn't spend all his money on education <laughs> for got this six figure year job and walked away from it. Right. Like that is not what we're going to do. Right. Mm. <laughs> not if you want so to I told live. him I got laid off. <laughs> no. <laughs> I told him I got laid off. I was uh, like, oh, I'm laid off, daddy. <laughs> that is hilarious. And I started building my business literally in their basement. I would work um, a little part-time bridge job. And then I built their bit, my business, my first company in their basement with my mom. Uh, and it was focused on millennial engagement. So teaching companies mm. how to properly engage their millennials so that they can reduce their turnover. Um, mm-hmm. ended up selling that book of business, went into business coaching because I had so many people who were like, Oh, like help, help, help. Right. But then like after doing business coaching for a few years, I realized that a couple of things. I like building businesses. I don't necessarily love building other people's businesses. Right. <laughs> I was like, I like building businesses where I'm going to see the direct profit from it. Um, and then also I just kind of hit a point where I got, I got really tired of telling people this is what you need to do. And then they don't follow it, but then they're upset with you that they're not getting results. And it's like, well, because you did every time you come to the meeting, you got something new. Like you're not following what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> you are doing what you want to do, and then getting mad that it's not working. Right. And like that's when I realized a lot of people will hire a coach for a crutch, mm, um, mm-hmm. almost as like a safety blanket or security blanket to give them an excuse as to why they aren't succeeding. Mm. So it's like, oh, I have a coach, but my coach isn't doing anything. And it's like, no, your coach is, my job isn't to do anything in your business. My job <laughs> is to point you in the right direction right. and help you build your business. But my job is not to build it for you. Right. Um, and so I just started getting really burnt out with it and realized that I just didn't love it anymore. And yeah. in that time, kind of before that time hit, my sister had approached me about, hey, why don't we start a recruitment firm, um, an executive placement firm? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, because I'm always down for an opportunity that's going to make money. I was like, yes, let's do it. And she's right. been a headhunter for 20 plus years. Okay. And so we built Recruit Aid Agency and started doing executive placement. Mm-hmm. And we were doing VA placement for a while, but VA placement's tough because Typically, the people who are hiring VAs sometimes don't even themselves know what they need done. Mm-hmm. So if you're hiring someone for a role that you yourself don't even know what how it's supposed to go, you're kind of putting someone between a rock and a hard place, especially right. if they're a VA and they have no real vested interest in your business. <laughs> so, right. so we stopped doing VA placement and focused specifically on executive uh, placement. But once I retired from business coaching... 
I just felt the yearn to go back in to the people side of business. Mm -hmm. So we built out AAE Corporation, which is an HR consulting firm. We focus on making the people truly your most valuable asset and protecting them and your Mm -hmm. business at the same time. So we have grown significantly. I now, you know, I've moved from DC. I I lived in Thailand for a couple of years and now I live in uh, the UK and London. And it's just been such an amazing feat to see it grow because it's grown with the recruitment firm on the side um, growing and then the consulting firm growing. So it's just been really nice because the two businesses go really well hand in hand. Mm. uh, And that's been really lovely. Then we have other side businesses that we invest in or that we, you know, kind of have running in the background, some real estate portfolios and things like that. Mm -hmm. But when people ask me what I do, I tell them, you know, HR and people side of business is is what I do. Mm -hmm. Love that. So like how, what skill or what talents or innate sort of, um, propensities that you have when you were a kid that are are really facilitating having great businesses now like were you a were you a people person mm. when you were a kid or was it there you know were you just great at delegating things to people like what was the thing that I was really good at delegating <laughs> <laughs> I would say you know I would say that I my teachers would probably say I was a I was a people person too much of a people person um because I was always talking I was always you know right. in somebody's business and <laughs> trying to find out what was happening right I was like the hotline honey I, I had all the gossip I, I loved love just being in people's business um right but I think that helped me in feeling and comfortable, but also knowing how to read people. Um, mm. Like I became very good at being able to discern what someone's true north was mm. um, just based upon being able to talk to people about what they liked, what they didn't like. Um, and then I think also I've always been, my dad used to call me the queen of the loopholes mm. because if I could find a loophole <laughs> in some rule or how things are set up, I was going to find it. That's like hilarious. if there was a loophole to be found, I was finding it. <laughs> and so for me as an entrepreneur, I'm the queen of loopholes. Like if I can find a faster way, a better way, mm-hmm. a more efficient way, a cheaper way of doing something, right. I'm going to, I'm going to find it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Um, and that has served me so well um, because it allows me to constantly remain innovative and constantly remain on a pivot without having to completely change my business entirely. You know, you see people who in the course of 10 years, they've had eight different business types and it's like, that's great, Mm -hmm. but are any of them making you like solid money? (laughs) And for me, what I've been able to do is I've been able to take, you know, the eight different business types and make them all make me solid money. And a lot of it has been by saying, how can we do this faster? How can we do this better? What is the loophole to doing this? This is the process other companies have used that are established. Where can we find a gap or a loophole where we can zip right through to the same result <laughs> without having to do all that extra work? Right. So, <laughs> So we're going to call you the loophole goddess because, you know, everybody's a goddess, right? Remember our mama Gina experience. (laughs) Yeah. So you're the the loophole goddess. So was there anyone in your um, life in your early childhood or teenage life that helped nurture those gifts that you had? Like, did they say, Oh, you're going to be great. You're great at that, that. You know, whatever. Like, was there someone like that? 
Um, you know, I would say my parents to a point, but my parents were old school, so mm-hmm. they could only support me or encourage me up into the extent of which they knew, right? right. And so for them, encouraging me to be an entrepreneur was definitely not what was going to happen. Um, <laughs> right. you know, it was just like, it just didn't, that was, you know, in, in, in their world, in their generation, that's something white folks do. That's not something, you know, that we, like, that's something people with money can do, right. but not people who don't have money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so their big thing was be a teacher, be a nurse. Those were stable jobs. Ooh. Those were jobs that came with pension. <laughs> right. You know, those are, and when I was like, no, I'm not doing any of that. I was like, oh, wait, okay. Um, <laughs> but I would say that even though they may not have fully understood, like, things that they had no exposure to, mm-hmm. they never stopped me from trying. Right. Um, so they never stopped me from saying, like, I'm going to go and move abroad. It was like, oh, okay, <laughs> why? Uh, okay, what's happening now? Right. right. <laughs> but, you know, I think that, you know, that's that's what made them amazing parents is that they never stopped me. Even if they didn't understand it, they may caution me, but they never mm-hmm. tried to stop me or threaten, like, oh, you're not going to be around a family or any of that. They <laughs> just kind of let me make find my own path and make my own mistakes in some cases, yeah. you know? Um, and so that's, that's, what's been really great. Um, even today, they're still very in the path of like, okay, we'll just let her figure that out. <laughs> um, my, my dad tells people that uh, he's, you know, done several tours of Vietnam. He's been a beat cop in Toledo, Ohio, mm. and nothing has been more stressful or scary than raising me. <laughs> so, Right. So I'm like, I'm going to take that as a badge of honor. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, especially for men, it's hard. They want to have a sense of this is what's happening and, and control. And when they when you're like that variable that's not <laughs> following the path and, you know, right. <laughs> they're like, wait a minute. They don't know what to do this, with it. This is disconcerting. I don't know what to do. It's like danger, danger. Right. <laughs> it freaks them out. <laughs> you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, they, and some <laughs> handle it better than others, honestly, let's just say. <laughs> but, um, right. <laughs> so, but tell me like a defining moment that you had um, that sticks out for you in your either in your childhood or your early adult years that kind of changed the trajectory of your life? You know, I I say this one for a lot of things, a lot of kind of pivotal moments of my life because so many realizations happened in that one very quick moment. Mm. And it was on my fifth birthday, I was in foster care. My birth mother had come to visit me in foster care for my birthday. Mm. She brought me a gift. Mm -hmm. And she brought along who I didn't know at the time. I just thought he was one of her brothers because I called him uncle. Um, she brought along her pimp and he was sitting in the car waiting and she was playing with me with the toy. And then he hurried up and said, he came out and said like, okay, come on, we got to go. And she's like, but it's her birthday. Mm. And he said, well, do you want to sit here and play with her for her birthday or do you want to eat? Because without me, you don't eat. Oh, wow. And in my five-year-old mind, it cemented so many things for me, good, bad, ugly, and different. Right. It cemented so many things for me. The first was that I was never going to let a man control me. Right. <laughs> I was like at five years old, like I'm never going to let anybody be able to tell me what to do. Like, <laughs> and apparently 
the only way to do that is to make the money. So if I make the money, then I'm in charge and I'm the boss. So therefore I have to make the money. And so Uh I think, you know, that five-year-old Amber is still sometimes will perk up and say like, you know, no, no, we are in charge. We're the ones making (laughs) the decisions because we're making the money. Um, And so I think that kind of gave me my drive, my push of like, I will never be in a position where someone has that kind of control over me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important, you know, yeah. that's important to, to know. And then in my thirties, I've realized that some of the, some of the characteristics that have been developed in me as a result of that haven't always been great. Mm. Right. Because in relationships, that's not a great outlook on life. Yeah. <laughs> if I make the money, I'm in charge. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so I had to learn, you know, like that, that's not, healthy and that's not something you should do in a relationship um but it it drove me it it got me to the point of success Mm -hmm. um and then you know what they say that you know what got you there won't necessarily get you to the next place I had to learn Mm -hmm. that I didn't need to have kind of that mindset in order to succeed right um that the fear of someone controlling me wasn't a real fear mm-hmm. um, any longer. So, so yeah, I would say that was kind of the defining point of my childhood that made me, you know, kind of who I am today. Right. That's really significant. Cause it's like, yeah, I can't even imagine like how a five-year-old would process something like that. You know what I mean? And even to have that determination of like, Oh no, that's never going to be me. Nobody's going to do that. And then that carries you because it's a survival thing. It's like this decision you make about yourself, the world, people in it, you know, men in general. And so then it's like, oh my God, you know, that you you got tunnel vision for a long time, I would think almost. And so when you get to being in a relationship with someone, it's like, no, buddy, you know, you're giving him the side eye already. <laughs> right, exactly. And it, it, it was reinforced, right? So yeah. if you think about it, like, uh, you know, my mom would take me to the hair salon and you hear the, the ladies gossiping about, you know, this guy or that guy mm-hmm. or this man left his wife and she's penniless now. And so right. I would hear these stories and it would just reinforce, like, right. you have to make the money so you can be in charge. You have to make the money so you can be in charge. So. Right. Right. So then how do you undo that? Right. Cause that's such, that's almost like a program that you created for yourself yeah. and it's like installing yeah. the software or like at least um, updating the software. Right. Of like, okay, we don't have to do that anymore necessarily. <laughs> right. You know what right. I mean? Right. But, yes. but having the awareness I, and the realization of that is what's key. Right. So I started to see a cognitive behavioral therapist that could kind of help Mm -hmm. me work out why I was doing the things that I was doing and how to be more aware of them. Um, But then also I did a lot of reparenting of my inner child. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that's really significant because there were just a lot of things that happened in my childhood, you know, before I got to my parents that, you know, people think, oh, she's so young, she won't remember it. It's like, no, I can vividly remember it. Mm, like, mm-hmm. like, you don't forget that. Right. I can vividly remember it. Yeah. And so, you know, in those instances, you know, it requires reparenting. It requires going in mm-hmm. and being like, listen, that you didn't deserve what happened. You didn't deserve to see that. You didn't deserve to hear that. You shouldn't have heard that. You shouldn't have seen that. Right. And really, you know, changing the narrative of those different scenarios so that they help me as opposed to become my defense mechanism. Right. 
Exactly. And that's so good that you have it because a lot of times people just keep on going through life, you know, like steamroller rolling down the hill and they're like, no, they're not. No. (laughs) You know, it's just like it doesn't work. You know, like you said, what got you there doesn't get you to the next level. And I think it's such a cool thing that God never wants to leave us in a place where we're, you know, we're we've got, we found ourselves, not that we got ourselves because you didn't do anything to get yourself there, but you develop those skills to survive. Right. But then at at some level, we're all surviving. We already survived if we're still alive. So now how do we live and thrive in our lives? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's, that's the question, right? Is how do we get to a point where we're out of surviving and into thriving? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've gotten to that point, but I think sometimes almost in, out of autopilot, I jump back into survival mm-hmm. mode. Like one little thing can make me suddenly be like, survive. <laughs> and it's like, wait, wait, wait. Right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Right. Calm down. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, the alarm bells don't have to be sounded. It's not a, th- right. it's not a, a four, star, no. four story alarm. <laughs> like just relax. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Man. So, you know, did you have any mentors when you were, growing up and did you ever meet any of them like who who kind of gave you inspiration and along the way to kind of keep going or be great in business or whatever it was yeah so for me growing up I really didn't have anyone I mean my mom owned a nursery school Mm -hmm. um but I didn't have anyone that I saw. I, I, you know, at 10, you see that as a burden. You don't see it as like, Ooh, this is inspirational. Like, <laughs> oh, you gotta get up and help her. Right. Um, and so, um, I didn't really have growing up a lot of people around me who, who were, you know, building businesses or really even, you know, doing really well in business, just right. even as a working professional, a lot of my parents, friends were teachers and, and police officers mm-hmm. and, you know, worked in factories. So, so I didn't see a lot of what I live now. I didn't see any of what I live now. Um, I think what really made me go, huh, I could do this was my first kind of director role in corporate the I was headhunted from a very large company to a mom and pop shop is what we call it now. Mm. They had like less than a hundred employees at the time. Now they have like thousands, but they had less than a hundred employees at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was owned by a husband and wife and they were in maybe their mid thirties, maybe late thirties. Mm. And they were just so motivational and inspirational. I mean, they would just, trust that I knew what I was doing. I mean, when I tell you, I didn't know what I was doing half the time. I had lunch with them a couple of years ago and I was like, yeah, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing most of the time, honestly. Like y'all would be like, make this happen. I'd be like, all right. And I'd just start asking other people, how am I supposed to make this happen? Right, exactly. (laughs) But it was their trust in me that made me believe like, yeah, I can make it happen. And they would expose me to so much. And this is what I strive to do in my business mm. um, as well, because without them, I don't know that I would be, you know, the Amber Aziza that I am today, mm-hmm. because they really worked hard in exposing their executives to kind of every asset of the, every facet of the business, what was working, what wasn't working. Right. Um, and we all had autonomy over our department. So 
when it came to training development and organizational development, it was like, that's your department, Amber, you figure it out. Like, here's your budget, you figure it out. Um, and it was really kind of, it was entrepreneurial, really, where it was like, I get the build and I don't have to get approval for this. I can just buy this because I know I need it. Okay, I'm gonna buy it. Y'all, y'all okay with me buying it? You are? Okay. <laughs> it really gave me, you know, that that taste of like, this is what it's like to, mm. you know, run your own business and have to be accountable for a budget and team members. And, and they really just let me kind of do what I needed to do. And it right. worked really well for them. A lot of my teaching models and training <laughs> models that I set up, mm-hmm. they still use to this day. Mm. Um, and so, you know, without them constantly encouraging me to like push the envelope, what can we, how can we do it better, faster, less expensive, you know, think, yeah. think like an entrepreneur is what Mike would always say to me, Amber, think like you own the business. And I'd be like, I can't think like I own the business. <laughs> but, but the more that, you know, they would push me, the more I would grow and the more I would learn. And I had missteps and they wouldn't, you know, there would be no level of like, punishment per se for missteps it would always be yeah. a okay so what do we learn from this okay so we learned that that didn't work keep it moving like we're not gonna sit here and cry about it keep it moving let's move <laughs> to the next idea um and so I really loved that because that's really what running a business is is you know mm. many times we fail and you know those one or two really great times we find a winner you know formula that's what makes the business. Yeah. But if we look at all the other iterations that failed, it's like, <laughs> it's way more of those. Right. So learning from that, you know, I think having that environment with them allowed me to truly learn, you know, to be okay with failure in business. Right. That's really cool. Um, so I saw that you were on a Dove commercial recently. How did that come about? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. So a friend of mine reached out to me. She lives in London and she said, Hey, uh, they, uh, marketing agency is looking for at the time. I don't even know if we knew what it was for. Mm. I think she was just like, they're looking for some folks who can, um, who are American mm. uh, or North, North American is what they said. Cause they wanted an American accent um, who can test the soap and are willing to do a full commercial for it. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay, sure, whatever, fine. I was <laughs> like, oh, and we found out it was Dove, and I was like, oh, I love Dove. I already used Dove. So I was right. like, oh, no, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, and so we had this whole schedule, and it was really, like, in detailed. We'd started shooting. We'd started fittings, and and then COVID shut it all down. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, shut it down. <laughs> and so I got an email um, about a month later because they said, listen, we shut everything down. We're just going to, you know, pause everything and scrap it and maybe come back to it later. Right. So about a month later, I get an email and they say, hey, we decided we're just going to use uh, three or four interviews from our initial zoom interviews now Mm. the initial zoom interview the reason it was a zoom interview instead of me being in person was because i had covid so (laughs) so i just looked a mess 
husband was like sweating. My flat was a mess behind me. And I'm just thinking, please don't pick mine. Please don't pick mine. Please don't pick mine. And sure enough, they picked mine. I was like, oh, no. The first thing my mom said was, why is your place so messy? My friends are going to see this, and they're going to see that you keep a messy flat. I was just like, you can tell them I had COVID. I was surviving. Right. Basically. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, and they selected, and they said, you know, the reason we picked you was because we felt like you just had so much energy during your interview. Um, and so I thought, oh, gosh, that's nice, because I felt like that's sore that day. So <laughs> I was like, I can look at the commercial and see that I'm tired and exhausted, but I'm glad no one else can. <laughs> right, right. Well, how fun with that, that experience. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me this, and you don't have to say if you, if you don't want to, but I remember you telling me that something there's something interesting about your last name. And you never did get back to it. So I don't know what the story was. Like, how did you come about being Aziza? I'll have to tell you that offline. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Because I know with mine, you know, I'd been married twice. And then my second husband, mm -hmm. we were divorced for like six years. And I was like, why do I still have his last name? I was like, let me go figure out something different. And I literally went on the internet and said, I want to change what last name start with A. Because I wanted to stay at the top of the alphabet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I love it. Hmm. I want it to be like something simple, short, not like non ethnic. You know, people can't mispronounce it. We, whatever. So right. I found Alan because I was Alfred, was my married name. People are always messing that up. So I was like, okay. And I put in the application. It took three weeks. It was like 35 bucks. <laughs> and then I was Alan after that. But then people still always oh, misspell wow. it because I spell it A-L-L-A-N. And people are constantly making it E-N. And then the wow. weirder thing is, because I didn't want to go back to my, my maiden name, which was Young, my dad's father's middle name was Alan. A-L-L-E-N. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I didn't, circle. I, didn't, I didn't get away from it at all, but it's all good. <laughs> so it, anyways, but I, you know, people are like, you can do that. I'm like, celebrities change their name all the time. Of course, a normal person. Oh yeah. Can do people it. change their names all the time. No big deal. Yeah. You know, no big deal. But exactly. so what's the legacy <laughs> that you want to leave the world? What is it that you want people to remember mm. about Amber when you were here that made you you put your own little spot on the world that people are gonna be like, oh man she was so great with that she changed this or whatever you know I think I want my legacy on the world to be that I made it easier for people who came behind me mm. like even though I'm not in business coach mode anymore we've leveled up to a new space where I'm like, Ooh, I didn't know anything about this. And so I've started sharing those experiences on social media mm -hmm. because I want people, not because I'm selling something at the end, but because I want people to kind of know and understand like, Hey, right. Here's, here's what you're going to go through. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, if one person walks away, you know, from me being in their life and says like, she, she made it easier for me in some aspects, she made, she made it, easier for me to see what was possible right then i'm happy for that yeah that's really cool well thanks for having such a great conversation with me and let us know where people can me. find you on social and your podcast yes. and all those things 
Absolutely. So you can check me out all social at Amber underscore Aziza. You can also check me out online, AmberAziza.com or AAECorporation.com. Yay. Sounds great. And enjoy your time now in the UK. I think that's Thank awesome you. too. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> university you. over there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll have you on again just so we can do a follow-up and see how everything's going. Sure. So perfect. Sounds good. Yay. So thanks for tuning in everybody and definitely check Amber out. She is the bomb.com <laughs> and we'll see you again Thank on you. fabulous women over 40. Thank <laughs> you.